Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. sports betting bet online is where you should go to win money today whether it's live bets during games or futures for you who think you can win the championship bet online has all the latest odds news and information for all your online sports betting needs visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit so before the next big game head on over to bet online and start playing today Bet online, your online sports book experts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Podcast Network. Today is Monday, August 23rd, 2021. Uh, it's episode 34 of uh, season three. As always, appreciate you being with us and making us the number one sports law podcast in the world. Uh, very humbled by that and appreciate that. And again, really appreciate you uh, listening in. So uh, this week, we have a very interesting topic where we're going to be discussing Hollywood alliances in platform content distribution. So what do we mean by that? Uh, we mean What we mean by that is this idea of deal making, right? This idea that we are in a position uh, basically in Hollywood and amongst sort of uh, uh, industry sort of groups and, and studios and this sort of thing, streamers, where there was a time that was before my time, but uh, when you essentially had, you know, four major broadcast channels in the 1950s, right? 1960s even. And then that began to expand out and more channels were offered and there was a larger offering. And then, um, you know, you're basically your, your NBC, um, ABC, CBS, uh, you know, essentially even three, maybe four dominated the space, right? And then uh, as sort of things moved on, you got into a situation where maybe you had a um, cable or satellite packages where, uh, you know, you might have thousands of channels, Right. And that became to a point where it was too much. Uh, it was a situation where, um, you know, you had a ton of channels that potentially you're never going to watch. Now, albeit uh, there was, particularly on satellite uh, channels or packages, you might have like, you know, 50 to 100, maybe 200 music stations, right? But of course, now that's become somewhat obsolete, particularly if you've got Spotify or Pandora or iTunes or what have you. There's just so much music available, not to mention the built-in platform, um, you know, music when you're talking about Peloton and um, uh, some of the other deals that have been done uh, with like Equinox and that sort of thing where you have a built-in music, right? Or even Amazon where you have built-in music through Amazon Music, but obviously you're going to pay a fee for it, but it, it's pretty direct in terms of, um, you know, in terms of uh, the artists getting paid and also your ability to watch or listen. So 
so where we're at today, though, of course, and we've gone from this idea that we had maybe three to four major broadcast channels or networks, if you will. Then we went to this idea of, well, now we have thousands of cable uh, channels and, you know, uh, through satellite packages or cable. And then today, really, what we have is this idea that many people are cutting uh, their cable cord, which is not front page news, uh, but that. Uh, what we're really looking at is maybe three to four accounts maximum per household. That seems to be the tipping point when it comes to accounts, unless you're getting some accounts for free, uh, let's say through like a mobile uh, package. So AT&T uh, would provide, you know, when they owned HBO, I think they still offer it through the period of the contract and the eventual buyout. But uh, when they owned Warner Media, which has now been sold to Discovery, so it'll be Warner Brothers Discovery. But um you know, might have a deal through AT&T or uh, Sprint, which was, you know, purchased by T-Mobile, might offer Netflix uh, or Hulu, that sort of thing, right? So you have these ideas where you're, you know, sort of using an, a built-in distribution network or users or subscribers uh, to reach certain people. But generally, you're going to have three to four accounts max, right? You're going to have like a Netflix and Amazon and a Peacock or a Paramount Plus or Apple Plus or what have you. And even with Apple Plus, there was a period of time where they were offering that as a part of, um, you know, if you bought a new iPhone or a new Mac computer, they'd give it to you for a year. Then they extended it. Uh, now I think it's like 50 bucks a year. So, um, but those accounts price-wise is still far cheaper than a cable package. You know, cable package, you might pay, you know, anywhere from 80 to $200, you know, a month, depending on what you wanted and all the special add-ons and that sort of thing. Uh, but you know, with Netflix, you know, you're paying what, you know, under $15, Amazon, you're paying basically 10 to 15 bucks. Um, you know, Peacock is five to six, all the other ones are in that range as well. And then of course, uh, now with Disney, uh, now you have the premium things where you have like, you know, premium where you can buy a movie that's direct to streamer, uh, which is a different approach from the other platforms. The other platforms, basically, if you pay for the account, you get access to the direct to streaming movies. So that's an interesting strategy there. Uh, but now that being said, we're talking about three to four accounts per household, right? That seems to be the most people can manage. And that makes sense, right? Because you're talking about, you know, basically a hundred thousand hours or more of content on each of those platforms, not to mention um, live content and sports, you know, essentially sports content or news or what have you. So it's not just the sort of, um, you know, have it, have it the way you want sort of Burger King way of, um, you know, have it your way content. There is the live aspect too. So, uh, you know, one of the challenges that occurs with studios and content streaming platforms is that they're having to spend a lot of money on developing these platforms and paying for the technology and all that developing the technology, paying for the labor, paying for, um, you know, uh, whatever sort of infrastructure is needed, but then also they're paying, uh, for content, you know, they're spending a lot on content spend. So, you know, purchasing, developing, producing, distributing film and television, uh, you know, entertainment media, uh, live sports content, or even documentary sports content, but they do not necessarily at this time have the subscribers to offset that cost. Even Netflix, uh, I think even so to this day, um, and some, in some ways operates at a loss because they spend so much on content, but, uh, their subscribers sort of, um, have not got to the point where they've now that 
that may have switched over in the last couple of years, but there was a period of time where Netflix was essentially operating at a loss, uh, but knowing that eventually the money would be there, um, sort of assuming the money would be there and the subscribers would be there because they were continuing to purchase content and to put content on their platform. But those are two big outgoing costs, right? The cost of content, uh, licensing content is not you know, uh, cheap. Uh, furthermore, uh, licensing content to, or developing and producing sort of content is expensive as well, uh, especially during a COVID time where production was started and stopped and got all these kinds of regulations, it's a difficult time to do business in the space, right? So the net effect is that many, many Hollywood studios and their streaming platforms had to float this investment, had to take a loss every year uh, until the subscriber numbers got to the point where they could uh, pay for the content and pay for the platform itself uh, and, and essentially or eventually exceed the outgoing cash paying for content and paying for the development of the platform. Now, put some numbers to this. You know, Disney Plus uh, currently has 179 million subscribers. Netflix has 209 million. Now, what's interesting about this, because to show you the power of Disney and what they've built in such a short period of time, Netflix was the, has had the first mover advantage, meaning that uh, they were able to hit the market first and create and maintain a large market share for a very, very long period of time. It's probably unprecedented in what they were able to do. But what they launched in 2007 as an entertainment content subscription you know, application and platform was, uh, was phenomenal. And it was not something that had been done before. And so... Um, they launched that in 2007. Disney did not launch until 12 years later in November of 2019. And they've already, um, you know, gotten to a point where uh, they're about, they're essentially about 30 million subscribers behind. Uh, but Disney and Netflix are by far the largest. Uh, obviously, uh, Amazon is up there too. Uh, they've got, you know, I think well over 150 million. And of course, their platform is far broader than just content. Um, where Netflix is just straight content, entertainment content, no sports, no advertisements. Disney's got a mix of ESPN Plus, a mix of Hulu, and a mix of Disney Plus, uh, not to mention all the uh, sports content and everything else that goes through that, and even ABC stuff through television. So, uh, and of course, Amazon is this huge distribution platform where you're talking about product and entertainment and music and everything else. Uh, so, it's, it's sort of the different platforms you offer different things, but um, subscribers is the name of the game, right? So uh, I think arguably you could say that Disney benefited from the pandemic in the sense of many people were staying at home. And so uh, it was a situation where, you know, you essentially had people staying at home so they would be maybe watching or subscribing to more content, right? So something to keep in mind. Uh, now, that being said, talk about content spend, how much money are we looking at? So we talked about content spend and platform development earlier. Platform development can probably be found in some of the financial statements for those companies, but just in terms of the, the numbers that are um, uh, with regard to content spend. So Disney purchased Fox, if you remember the Fox Entertainment Assets, and uh, they did that in, um, you know, very recently. And I want to say it was, uh, let's see, it was what, 2019, so very recently. 
And when they purchased those Fox Entertainment assets, they did it for $71.3 billion. Now, Fox still exists as a news network and as a sports thing, but they, they um, obviously sold the entertainment part. Now, Netflix will spend $20 billion or more on content in 2021. Amazon is about $11 billion or more. Apple is about $17.3 billion. Uh, and Disney is at about $8 billion. Now, of course, you got to keep in context here that Disney already has a large library, arguably the largest library of intellectual property and del- derivative works. So, uh, or even for the idea for derivative works uh, lives, with, lives with Disney. I think Netflix and these other platforms are really building that up. Um, however, you got to figure that Disney just purchased $70 billion of entertainment assets. So, um, you know, so if you compare that to the other content spends, obviously it's a huge amount. But, and I, I imagine those numbers will somewhat equalize over the next decade or so where you're going to see most of these streamers spending about the same um, as what happens with many businesses. You end up copying each other or mirroring each other uh, until a new mover comes in or uh, a new platform comes in. So the whole purpose of today's show was that that was a little bit of background and kind of give you some context. But now we're looking at uh, this idea of these Hollywood alliances and platform distribution, platform content distribution. So it was this idea that all these platforms were getting developed. They were looking to put their content out there, looking for ways to develop uh, content, purchase content, whatever, create these new platforms. Now, of course, as the market has somewhat settled in that space where I don't conceivably see more streamers coming along, uh, but you know, uh, who knows? Uh, but I think the market is somewhat settled in that space. So more streamers will come along or not coming along. We've kind of settled a little bit. So now what we're seeing is a lot of these platforms starting to work together to distribute content. So uh, some recent examples of where Hollywood is moving um, its entertainment media and sports content away from division and towards uh, alliances or consolidation or partnerships, you know, beyond traditional mergers and uh, acquisitions is uh, number one, Comcast and Viacom, CBS, two, um, two very uh, big competitors with each other and normally don't work together, are now offering a, a platform called Sky Showtime. A little background on this, Sky was purchased by Comcast, I think for $39 billion in 2018. Uh, Comcast was also in the running to purchase the Fox assets, but Disney obviously outbid them. Um, but so that's where the Sky comes from. Showtime is obviously a Viacom uh, CBS platform, as is Paramount Plus. So Comcast, which is NBC Universal, Viacom, which is Showtime, Paramount Plus, have decided to create this joint platform to distribute content. Uh, it's kind of an unprecedented move. Um, I'm sure it's been done before in the cable age, but not that I can remember. And um, you know, so we have this Sky Showtime platform, which will combine the libraries of NBC Universal, uh, Viacom, CBS, CBS, and Showtime on one streaming distribution platform. Now, by the way, Paramount Plus, which is again owned by Viacom, CBS. Is um, did a separate deal with Comcast. And so the two companies are combining on a different platform. Now, for comparison's sake, we talked earlier about the numbers of subscribers. And we said Disney had 179 million and Netflix had 209 million, you know, as of 2021. And here we are in August. 
Comcast owned Peacock, which is their streamer, uh, and Viacom, CBS owned Paramount Plus, has 94 million total subscribers. So to kind of give you an idea where they're at and what they're trying to compete with. So now it's also interesting too, another example of this for sort of combination of content and looking for easier ways to distribute content and reach consumers is this idea that uh, Disney, which in its purchase of the Fox assets, also maintained, uh, obtained a majority stake in the streamer Hulu, which was formerly uh, had a majority stake with Fox. And so when that sale was done, Disney took over. So Disney has been bundling, it's a sort of operative term that's been used the last you know, five to 10 years or so, uh, bundling the content of Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and Hulu for a monthly fee. Uh, however, Disney is now considering the option of, there was recently a stockholders meeting and sort of uh, this idea of you know, what's going on with the company and the little updates that you see here and there with um, these sort of Fortune 500, Fortune 50 companies. But essentially um, what they've, the CEO has talked about uh, combining these three libraries on one platform. So instead of buying a bundle to Disney Plus, ESPN Plus and Hulu, you would literally log into, let's say, the Disney platform, and you'd have access to everything. So it's almost like, uh, let's say, if you had a cable package, and you logged into a cable package, and you had all your channels, except it's just different terminology now. It's easier to access, and it's a lot less expensive, because you can have, uh, you know, three to four, even five streaming platforms, and still pay less than potentially fifty dollars a month. So, you know, uh, money-wise, it's a lot less expensive. Of course, the problem with streaming is that content has to be immediate and content has to be um, consistent in the sense that people are always looking for more content because their appetites are always growing because the access is always there. There's no delay. And I think this is why Apple Plus and other platforms have begun to delay their content to where, for example, the Ted Lasso um, uh, series on Apple Plus um, basically now releases one episode per week, which was typical of cable, right? You'd watch your you know, new episode every Friday or whatever it was. So now they're doing that. It's the same thing, except it's on a streaming platform. So ESPN, or sorry, Disney's thinking about combining those. Now, of course, uh, there's some uh, legalities that are preventing this from happening. They have to wait for some of their uh, sports rights uh, or sports media deals to expire because uh, generally in these contracts, you're going to have restrictions on uh, where the content can live, you know, where can it be posted, where can it be uh, consumed at. So once those things are done, I definitely see Disney moving to combine those things. And then lastly, when we look at content partnerships, um, they're becoming even more prevalent in the music podcast uh, and health space. So for example, um, Spotify recently uh, brokered a deal uh, with WWE, uh, the wrestling group, and The Ringer. And uh, The Ringer is obviously purchased by Spotify. It was uh, basically a, a music, not, not a music, it was a, a sort of sports writing and content platform uh, that had some podcasts on it. It was purchased by, by Spotify. But they're doing a content partnership where they're going to provide exclusive audio and develop original content for WWE. So that's sort of one place where they're doing these, these business deals together. Uh, Peloton obviously has signed um, some 
some serious uh, content when it comes to Spotify and Apple Music um, in terms of adding those platforms uh, to sort of um, uh, its bike and sort of its technology and its platform uh, so people can um, can get paid for those. And by the way, it looks like um, it's sort of an interesting thing. Um, Peloton pays uh, a rate per stream to artists uh, at uh, 3.1 cents per stream. Uh, to give you some comparison to that, Spotify is 0.35 cents. Apple is 0.68 cents. YouTube is 0.15 cents. And Tidal is 0.88 cents. So uh, uh, Peloton's definitely paying for it and uh, helping out artists in that way too. But I'd be curious as to what the, the, the sort of terms of that deal are, or sort of the, the structure of why those other platforms are not paying the higher rates or you know what have you. But just an example, uh, Equinox recently has brokered a deal um, uh, with several different, uh, different artists and they're creating an Equinox plus features thing where you're gonna essentially be able to work out and watch original content, which I'm sure is gonna include uh, music and workout sessions and that sort of thing. Uh, and of course, in January of this of 2021, the company licensed the entire Universal Music catalog, uh, which is just uh, an amazing amount of music. And then of course, uh, with Amazon, they recently did something interesting. They moved, they've obviously been in, they're now in the podcast space. Uh, but what they did was they purchased um, a podcast called Smartless, S-M-A-R-T-L-E-S, uh, Smartless, sort of a funny name uh, with actors, Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes. And the idea is, is that uh, they've purchased this podcast for a one-week exclusive window. It's almost the reverse of a theatrical window. And they've purchased this to be on Amazon platform for one week only exclusively. And then obviously it's distributed out to all the other platforms like Spotify or iTunes or what have you. But they've done this and the idea to drive advertising to the platform and uh, which will be uh, basically had through all the consumers are going to want to consume that podcast a week earlier, right? This whole idea of people wanting to consume, you know, sort of here and now. So those are some, again, some ideas of these companies working together, looking for ways to, to distribute content. You know, again, if uh, content is king, but distribution is queen and she wears the pants, right? Uh, Jonathan Perlman would say, you have to uh, find the distribution out outlet. And that seems to be the case with these deals. So uh, you've got all this music and podcast and sort of health going on with regard to content, uh, advertising opportunities. I think the, uh, the sort of idea or the goal idea or the goal is that by adding more uh, Hollywood and sports talent, particularly through WWE or, or the Amazon deal that we mentioned with Jason Bateman, I think that the result is increased engagement, subscribers and downloads, right? And, uh, you know, the underlying streaming technology, by the way, has become so valuable and important that Disney just purchased uh, the National Hockey League stake in BAM Tech, um, which was created, I want to say about uh, 10 years ago and uh, was renamed Disney Streaming Services. Now, Major League Baseball still owns a 15% stake in that, uh, but it's likely to sell it in the next you know, year or two for anywhere between 700 to a billion dollars. So, and I think BAM Tech was created by Major League Baseball or they at least purchased it and owned it. So uh, a great investment on their part. 
So uh, that all being said, it's it's going to be interesting to follow what alliances and partnerships occur going forward. Um, you know, I know that there was a period of time where people on platforms and studios were 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 somewhat concerned as to you know what's going to happen. Um, you know, especially for some of these smaller studios that don't have a direct streamer. So like, for example, Lionsgate, you know, uh, not one of the larger studios, but definitely a significant one. Uh, what does it do with all its content? And there's been talk about mergers and acquisitions or what have you, you know, all for the right price. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's about sort of finding the right home, finding the right partners. So it'll be fascinating to follow that. But again, folks, uh, that's the end of this week's show. Uh, this is um, uh, Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast. This uh, show has been brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, always appreciate you listening in, and thank you again for making the Believe in Sports Law podcast the number one sports law podcast in the world. Have a great week. Thank you so much. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.